0: Good morning. Uh, the, the passage for our consideration this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 6. and the verses we're looking at is uh, 30 uh, to the end of the chapter. Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to the end of the chapter. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a desert place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desert place. And already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into their surrounding countries and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make uh, them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in the hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed them, and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish, Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000. We now move on to another scene in verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him uh, to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Now, when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then then he saw them straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. And then the final scene when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and anchored there. And when they came out of the boat immediately, the people recognized him, ran through the whole surrounding region, and began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Amen. (coughs) may the Lord bless the reading of his word. I trust you've been enjoying your studies uh, through the Gospel of Mark. Um, The Gospels uh, paint a a, a portrait of our Lord Jesus Christ And each of them come at different angles And and we see different aspects And I'm sure it's been said But what we see in Mark Is um, our Lord Jesus Christ portrayed as that perfect servant of Jehovah And it's lovely just to follow his footsteps through this book and see something of his ministry, and see something of his heart for the, the people, and how busy he was. Um, often, he even said in our passage today, often he didn't even have time to eat. And um, we, I'm sure you've you've realised in chapter five we saw the the ministry of Jesus, um, and now we come to chapter six, and really, uh, a title to put over this would be looking at um, the training up of the disciples. And he was, he was preparing these disciples and showing them, uh, especially in our passage, what it really means to be a disciple, a follower of God. And he sent them out at the beginning of the chapter and they've done these uh, miracles and these signs and so on and so forth. And then we see that the John the Baptist beheaded and that's speaking of the cost of being a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in our section... We we again see this this idea of um, what it means to be a disciple it, it, and how that speaks to us. Um, and I want to. It's a, a fairly lengthy passage, so my intention this morning is really to try see aspects um, of Christ in this passage this morning. And I want to look at it in in the three sections, seeing the the provision of Christ, seeing the pro- protection of Christ, and then seeing. Um, the prospect that is in Christ And the, the passage naturally splits itself into three There's the wilderness place at the beginning uh, The wild place And then uh, the last few verses The wonderful place And if we have time we will, we'll get to see why uh, it's wonderful So <clears throat> the provision um, Verses 30 uh, to 44 Now these disciples, as I'd mentioned, they've gone out and they've been—they were doing these miracles and so on and so forth. But they're coming back now. They're coming together, and um, I'm sure there was a lot on their mind and uh, a whole mixture of emotions. And uh, they've possibly never experienced anything like um, this—the the excitement of it. The um, feeling overwhelmed I'm sure Maybe feeling a bit independent And they were coming back to tell the Lord All that has happened And I'm sure um, Most definitely these disciples were weary they were, they were tired And the Lord realizes this And in verse 31 he says, he says come aside Come aside by yourselves to a desert place And rest a while Come away with me And, 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 and let's rest now, it's an interesting study in Scripture to look at the desert places, to to look at how frequently um, they feature in Scripture. And there's a lot to learn from them. Um, and I suppose as we look and as we think of a desert place, a wilderness place, we think of a, a, a desolate place, a, a dry place, even at times a, a dangerous place, uh, place and if we were left there to our own accord you know the desert would overcome us and the world would, would look on and see a, a bleak situation but what we're learning in this first miracle is that there in the desert place was Christ and, and there in the desert place he was going to teach these disciples about his provision about his nourishment that he can provide super abundantly um, for the, the crowds and for these disciples. So Jesus takes them away to this desert place. And notice the crowd are already there. And I suppose the disciples would have been a bit disappointed at this. And they would have, they would have wanted the Lord just to dismiss the crowd. So that they could get their, their well-deserved rest. And it's the case, isn't it? Everything always seems to come at once. You know, it's when we're weary, it's when we're so tired that the crowds are already there in our lives. But notice how the Lord responds to this, verse thirty-four. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw this multitude, and he was moved with compassion. And the idea there is, is he was moved to his very inward being. And you just see something of the heart of that perfect servant of Mark. And he looked out at them, and what does it say? It says, you know, he saw them as lost, as sheep without a shepherd. You know, as the Lord looks down this morning at this little gathering here in Fernalee, he looks to the very heart And he knows, and he can tell those who are here this morning, sheep without a shepherd. And let me tell you, the the heart of that perfect servant's never changed. And as he longed, and as he was moved with compassion as he looked upon them that day, so too is he today. And he longs that you would come to see the provision that's found in Christ. So, he begins to teach them. And I'm sure he tells them of their sin, and, and Luke mentions he, he tells them of the kingdom of God. And as time goes on, the disciples come to him and they say, You know, Lord, send, send these crowds away that they would get something to eat. And uh, notice the response of the Lord. The Lord knew what he was going to do, he knew he was going to provide. But he says to them, He says, You give them something to eat. And it was a test, really. And they don't do so well. Andrew and Philip, you know, they, they get the calculators out and they're, they're, they're looking out at the crowd. The 5,000 men, so most likely fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 people altogether. And they're saying, you know, even 200 denarii worth. 200 days wage, we barely feed them. We just about feed them. And the Lord, you know, they hadn't seen it yet. They, they, they just hadn't understood it yet. And the, the Lord continues and He says, well... Um, is there anything? How many loaves do you have? And they go out and they search amongst the crowd. And um, they manage to source these uh, five, five loaves. It speaks in, in, in John. It says five barley loaves, the cheapest of grain, and two uh, small fish. And I'm sure as they were taking it in their hands uh, to the Lord, they were mumbling amongst themselves, you know, what, what, what possibly could He do with this? And again, they, they just hadn't grasped it yet. And the Lord had to teach both the Croucher and the disciples a lesson. So He takes, he takes this, this paltry supply, these, these five loaves, these two fish, and He blesses them. And he breaks them and he begins to distribute it out to the disciples. And what a lesson there is really in this miracle as the disciples go out and as they feed the the, the multitudes. You know, that bread and that that, that fish, it was nothing in the hands of those disciples. But when they took it and they placed it in the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, it managed to feed the, 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 the multitudes. And just look at the provision, verse 42. They ate and were filled, you know I like that I like that a lot in the sense that this whole crowd and they took from the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and what was from the hands was suitable for all for, for the the men, the women, and the children there in the crowd and not only was it was it suitable for them all, but it was satisfying for them all. They ate, and they were you know just filled, no. They were filled, they ate, and they were full. You know, do we know this, this filling this morning? Do we know what it is to have taken an eating from the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, you may be sitting there weary, fed up, searching in this world, trying to find purpose, trying to find meaning and provision in what the world has to offer. Let me tell you this morning, you can search all you want and you'll find nothing. Nothing until you come to that desert place. Come and see the provision of life that's found in our Lord Jesus Christ, that perfect servant. But there's another lesson here. Let's not forget those disciples. Those weary and tired disciples. And the Lord's really trying to show something here to them in this miracle. He's trying to say, you know, true rest is found in me. He's trying to teach that to them as they, as they go forward in their life. They need to remember this. Rest is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, true strength is found in me. But it's lovely to notice that in their short-sightedness and their unbelief, the Lord was still willing to use them. You know, and there may be someone here that says, I, You know, I don't have very much. Just, just a paltry supply. But if we could just take that and entrust it into the hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know, it might surprise you what He could do. What He could accomplish with so little, you know. The Lord asked Moses, You know, what do you have? And Moses says, I just have this staff in my hand, just this rod. But he left it available for God to use, and what tremendous work he was able to accomplish with that staff, those those signs, those those um, to to confound Pharaoh, the parting of that Red Sea, even the 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 striking there in the wilderness place of the rock to to supply nourishment to to the people, to the Israelites. And they took the disciples took from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's 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 lovely to notice the tense here. You know, he he it, he broke it, and he gave it the idea is a continual giving. And each time they returned to the hand of the Lord, they found it full. They found it willing to, to give, well, him willing to give. And I'm sure there's some. Uh, there are some in this gathering this morning who've been going to the hand, those hands a lot longer than I have, and I'm sure they'll be the first, the first to tell you and assure you that they've, you know, they've never found it empty. They've never found it empty. And no matter how often they go, the hand of the Lord is always, is always full. You see, the problem's not in divine supply; it's often in our appetite for these things, isn't it? But it's wonderful that they could be used as this channel of blessing, this, this channel of communication. And I suppose the challenge comes to us. You know, do we hunger for these things, for the things of Christ? Do we long to get away to that, that desolate place? You know, a place where the world would look on. And, and they, they, they see nothing of value in it. They just see a dry and desolate place. But we know when we're spent, when we're weary, that's the place we go. And we find Christ and we find in Him provision, sustenance and, and superabundance and, and, and nourishment. Psalm 23, verse 1, You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or oh, that we would have an appetite for the things of God, he makes me lie down in green pastures. you know this marks the only gospel that speaks of the sheep without a shepherd, and also they sat down on the green grass and it's interesting to see the theme through this passage of Psalm 23. but the story doesn't end uh, there. The Lord uh, leaves with these disciples a, a, a visual reminder and he's, he's, he's seeking to, to imprint, to impress upon the minds of these disciples what has happened that day. And the disciples pick up uh, 12 baskets full of fragments. And the Lord in his omniscience knows that they're about to enter a scene far worse than than what has preceded. And what he's trying to teach them here in, in, in bright colors is that as you go forward, he says, you know, you take those baskets, take those baskets with you onto the boat And he's saying, uh, let them there stand as a remembrance, a reminder, what I have done in providing for you. Remember my strength in your weakness. So we see the provision of the Lord. Now the the protection from verses 45, 52. Having prepared them on the land, he's, he's going to put them to test on the sea. And really the idea here is, is, is he's teaching that them, there's, there's this link between the first miracle and the second miracle, he's, he's teaching them that in times of trial, you must not forget the provision of Christ. You see, and, and he's saying, what will protect you in the time of storm, in the time of difficulty, is the provision of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the, there's the connection. Now follow follow with me. In verse 45. Jesus sends the crowd away. Um, if you read in the account of, of John. The, the reason for this is the crowd was seeking to make uh, Jesus king. Uh, by force. And um, the reason he sends them away is because they hadn't understood. They, they hadn't understood who he was. Um, they were just in it for the free food. They were just wanting freed from the oppression of of the Romans, and they hadn't understood that 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 the cross was necessary before the crown. So he sends them away, and he also, in verse forty-five, he commands his disciples to get in the boat straightway. Jesus constrained, it says in the authorised, his disciples. To get in the boat. Why? Well, he realized that it wouldn't be good for these disciples to be left there amongst the crowds. And really what he's going to teach them in, in, in this miracle is that, um, in a pictorial sense, that the, 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 cro- the cross will come before the crown. And you are in your life going to experience hardship, disciples, and trials, and storms... And he says, "I'm not here just to, to fix and ameliorate your problems, but I'm 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 going to teach you." You're like this. It wasn't their raining time, but their training time. And he he's saying, "I'm going to teach you. It's better for you to be in the storms of life with me than it is to be left there uh, in in the crowds." Now, verse forty-six. They, they they depart in obedience, and um, Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray, to 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 intercede. And as, as he's there in the mountain, you know, and the disciples are there in the boat, the wind picks up. The wind's contrary, it says. And that causes the waves to pick up. And as the waves pick up, you know, the currents are, 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 start forming. And it's all, they find themselves in this storm. And it's no, no, important to notice here that they're in this storm uh, because of their obedience, not necessarily their, their disobedience. And, and in this case, Jesus has deliberately directed them uh, into the storm um, to, to teach them this lesson of his provision to, to perfect them, not necessarily to, to, to correct them. And as he's there on the mountain praying, I'm sure he's praying for them. And he has them in his, in his mind's eye, well, in his, his actual eye, will come to see as well. And, and as they're, they're, they're straining there at the the, the the oars, you know, he's praying that, oh, that they would just look down at the baskets, and that they would just see the provision that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, are you facing a storm in your life? The current the the waves, the winds contrary. And, and like the disciples, maybe you're asking, well, where's the Lord in this? You know, two chapters before in the storm, the Lord was there in the boat. But, but he, he, the Lord didn't seem to be there. And the disciples, you know, they're wondering, well, where is He? It's lovely just to notice, isn't it? Verse 46, He's up there in the mountain praying for them. Verse 48. And he saw them. He's watching. He's he's keeping an eye on them. You know that's a miracle in itself. It's dark. You know it's the darkest part of the night really. And there's a storm. And yet he's got his eye on these disciples. And he's praying for them. And... the. Uh, as they were struggling and exhausted, the idea um, of that word is the restraining. It's, it's like mentally and physically just worn and exhausted. And in all of this, what a contrast it is to see the Lord and the land just praying and, and watching. And, and He's coming to them. He's coming to them, verse 48. And He came walking on the sea. And I just love that, you know. The very thing that they're drowning in, the very thing that they think is going to overwhelm them is the thing that the Lord comes walking on. He doesn't go through the waves. He doesn't part the sea more He walks on them. And oh, the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ, exercising His sovereignty and this great movement and power of the waves become to Him His very uh, pavement for Him to walk upon. And out of the darkest hour, the Lord Jesus Christ comes to them. We might not understand at times why we're in a particular storm of life. You know, I think the hymn writer puts it well, Cowper. God moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the ways and rides upon the storm. And I ask this morning, do you know the comfort of that protection this morning that's found in our Lord Jesus Christ? The comfort of knowing that the eye of God is on you, that He's there praying, interceding for you, and that in the darkest hour, He will be there. You know, I'm young, I'm not experienced, an experienced weatherman with regards to the storms of life. But what I have seen is, I've seen... Older saints experience tremendous hardship and difficulties. You know, whether that's with regards to their health or financially, work problems, family problems, or just general uncertainty. And, you know, what a contrast it is to see how the world deals with these things and how Christian deals with it, these things. You know, the world panics And there's just fear settles in. And the second there's anything uh, wrong with their health or or anything like this, there's just this fear of dying. And this was the same with the disciples. You know, because they hadn't understood it yet. It speaks of that in verse 52. Their hearts were hard to these things. But to see a spiritual person go through times of hardship... Let me just say this, you know, often they say, oh, you you young people, what an encouragement it is to those older folk. Well, as a young person, what an encouragement it is to watch an older and a more experienced saint go through the trials and the difficulties in life. And handle them with so much dignity and graciousness, whatever those trials be, whether it be... You know, difficulties in your family, as I said, or or uncertainty, or even just the trial of growing old. And to see them gracefully go through this, in all of it, seeking to to live in accordance with the will of God and the Word of God. And they don't for a second point the finger. Why? Well, because they know that the shepherd is there. Verse 4, isn't it? Though I go through the darkest valley, his rod and staff, they comfort me. And they found that shepherd and they found the protection in Christ. The sustenance in times of need. They found the one who gives them rest. The one who is prayerfully there watching and praying for them. And amongst the tempestuous nature and character of life. He's the one who will will draw spiritually nigh in the darkest hour. And what encouragement it is to see that in practice they thought he was a ghost. The disciples think he's a ghost. You see, the Lord always looks different in a storm. And the Lord sends storms and trials in our life so that we just get a glimpse in a different light of of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't send um, storms and trials to break us. But that we would come to see Christ in a fresh and a a new way. And he comes, be of good cheer, he says. What comfort, it is I. The idea is the eternal God, I am. What assurance, do not be afraid, what encouragement. And the disciples, I'm sure as they look back on this day, they could say with Job in, in Job 42, I have heard of thee, but now mine eyes have seen thee. And that's what the trials of life teach us. Oh, it's all very well knowing Scripture, knowing the truth contained within Scripture, but it's until we face these trials and and that's all that we have left and that's what we have to lean on. And it's in those times that the Lord comes uh, to us and says, it is I, I am. It's until then, but like Job, we can say, "You have read these verses and known these truths, but up until now, hadn't really grasped it. But now I've come to see thee." And wasn't this the case? You know, the Lord came the storm in chapter four, and they said, "You know what manner of man is this?" asked the question, who who can who has this control over the, the, the wind and the storms? But here in chapter 6, not in this record, but in Matthew, it says, you know, when they worshipped him. And he said, truly, this is the Son of God. So not only does the Lord bring provision and sustenance, but he brings pr- protection and security. And I trust we know him. I trust we know the presence of him in the storm. His presence that when the storm is past, we can say, truly, he is the son of God. And yet, truly, he is mine. I'll just, in closing, I don't have much time here. The uh, prospect. The prospect is seen in verse 53 to, to 56. Sure, some of you've picked up on up this yeah, dispensational truth in this passage. The Lord rejects, we see in the, in the previous miracle, the Lord rejects this this Jewish crowd, and He ascends up to the mountain to to pray. And this speaks of the cutting off of of Israel and um, his ascension. It speaks in Hebrew four. You know he's passed through the heavens and he's no longer on that mountainside, but he's at the very right hand of the Father, interceding and and praying for us, ever with his eye to the saints. And and there's that we boat, that we Jewish and. You know, and and they're, they're they're in this trial, in this great tribulation, and it's in the darkest hour that the Lord comes to them, the, the the return of our Lord Jesus Christ, the majestic, the glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you see the picture that's being portrayed here. Now you might ask, well, where's where's the church in all of this? You've got to go to Matthew. We don't have time. You go to Matthew, and you see uh, Peter gets out the boat there, and it's this this walk of faith. Unto the Lord, upon you, Peter, I will build my church, and He walks out to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you notice in the narrative that the Lord puts his hand out and, 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 and he takes Peter to be with him, and they both return to the boat and it 's speaking of the return of the, our Lord Jesus Christ with his bride. Now the point i 'm getting at here is is the, the instant they return to the boat. Uh, the, the storm is calmed, and John speaks of this immediately. They're at the, the the Gennesaret shore, and and the 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 idea here in this section, it's it's wonderful to see this prospect of the millennial kingdom, where sickness is uh, eradicated. <clears throat> now, I make this point because I just want to leave you with uh, a thought here, one or two thoughts just in closing to the uh, unbeliever those who have not accepted christ or found the provision in our lord jesus christ you know it speaks of this in second uh, peter 2 there'll be scoffers the people will come and say well where's that promised return where's that promised return of of your king of the lord jesus christ you know, just drink, just be merry, enjoy enjoy life now. Never mind all of that. But let me tell you this morning, the Lord will return. As certain as it was Hume and the wrote, wasn't it? As certain as the sun will rise, so too the Lord will return. And he's going to return in judgment. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the return of the Lord? Oh, that you wouldn't be like those those foolish virgins who weren't prepared. You know, it's your eternity that's at stake here. And just in closing to the Christians, brothers and sisters, what comfort and what consolation it is. What a prospect. As we face the trials and the difficulties in life, Jesus is coming sing the glad word he's coming, he's coming again and notice when he gets into the boat there's no striving with the storm just in an instant it's calmed and they're at the shore and there's that wonderful prospect of the, the, that millennial kingdom when Christ will reign there'll be no sickness there'll be no trials as we know them no fear, no, no tears. And the bride, the church, will be co-regent with Christ. There to, to bring him delight for all eternity. And I, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let us pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that's contained in it. I pray each of us would know something of the sustenance, something of the provision that's found in our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we don't, we would go to his hands today and we would go to that desert place and find in him true spiritual life. I pray this all in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Amen.